You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Welcome to episode 108 of the pod. Cody Abrams and Melbourne with you as always. And uh, this is just going to be a quickie. We're going to do a little fantasy corner as we always do to start each podcast. Uh, And then we're going to go into the big news about two NHL organizations in particular, the Vancouver Canucks and the Philadelphia Flyers. Before we get into all of that, how we doing, guys? Well, I'm just counting down the days until the 18th where I fly to Sweden. Yeah, really. You must be pumped for that, spending the Christmas and the holidays in Sweden. I'm jealous of that for sure. Um, Things are good here with me. I'm fucking busy. Like, I can't believe I ever complained in undergrad about, like, the work I had. Like, clearly it was just about, like, me procrastinating because, like, if you procrastinate now in school and I'm seeing some of this, like you can't just recover and cram everything into one day. Like it's ridiculous. Like the, this workload over the last couple of weeks has sucked. So I am so happy to be done in, in uh, about a week and a half, honestly. And then I'm coming back to Brockville and we've got a lot of fun things planned there, including uh, a boys in the booth winter classic, perhaps Casey. Unfortunately, I don't uh, think you'll be able to be there, but you'll be in Sweden. So I don't feel too bad. And, uh, and, and a lot of other things, world juniors as well, like just ready for the holidays and uh yeah just just overall in a good and excited mood harp how you doing i'm doing great um speaking of the the boys in the booth excuse me winter classic that we're going to have uh bumped into uh john calavas todd fawcett and brody burns and uh you know they they seemed pretty excited about it so uh bumped into them at the key storm on uh on uh, on friday and and then uh saturday night i was able to take meg to her first nhl game in ottawa it was the senators versus the avalanche and what a great game that was uh, an overtime win for uh, for ottawa and my first time getting a chance to uh, get some eyes on nathan mckinnon which was pretty cool and just such a great player to to watch and one of the best on the planet so good weekend for me i'm in a great mood and, and great to be chatting with you guys that was like a barn burner right wasn't it like seven six or something uh six five in overtime wow. and uh you know Co- colorado's a good team but no mccarr no cadre uh, in the lineup, and uh, they were also they're also missing their two goaltenders, right, Kemper and uh, Francis. So uh, Jonas Johansson, the former Buffalo Saber, he got pulled. He's and, terrible. Um, <laughs> he is. Bro. And and uh, Eustace Annanen, the uh, the rookie, came in, didn't play too badly, but uh, nice to see the the Senators pick up their second straight win and. Uh, Mr. Brady Kachuk with uh, with the game winner in overtime. So uh, it was it was awesome. Okay, fantasy corner. Right. All right, fellas, we'll get in. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into uh, we'll get into fantasy corner now. And uh, so I'll just I'll I'll, I'll go into uh, my matchup last week uh, quickly with uh, Corey mail order brides, of course. And uh, it was a close one. Uh, I was able to to uh, to come out with the win a one forty two to to 136 win i don't know how happy i should be with it because uh Corey probably didn't set his lineups again but uh 
that uh, that moves me to two and six. And uh, one guy who really stood out uh, for me uh, was Philip Forsberg. Five goals last week, four of them coming in one game uh, in that win uh, for the Predators over the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that was good. And this week, I am up against you, Mr. Casey Abrams. Uh, Bros before Ajos, that's a great name. And uh, projected to lose that one. You've got a pretty solid squad. So, Casey, I'll send it over to you now uh, with your recap uh, in fantasy last week. Yeah, last week I played Nathan Ganyu, and uh, despite my team underperforming versus its projections, it still had a pretty good week with 191 points, but that didn't matter at all because Nate's team did the exact opposite, put up 240 points, even Holy though he's projected for 183. So that's just the case of one team overperforming, and uh, that's going to happen in the amount of weeks you have in fantasy. Uh, this week, though, not really worried about it. Might not even pay attention that much. Uh, I'm projected to absolutely friggin' wallop Harper <laughs> this week. I've got, like, 53 games played. So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I could throw anyone out there as long as you're on my roster and it's going to work out for me. <laughs> uh, last week for me, if we're talking about projections, uh, it was projected to be a close week last week between myself, the multiple scoregasms and the Danbury Thrashers. Um, but it very much wasn't, guys. This was a rout, and I absolutely demolished Dylan last week. Almost doubled up on him. Finished two ninety four to one fifty, and like what a week! Like my guys were just going nuts. I don't know what happened, but that I think that's the best fantasy week I've ever had. And the multiple scoregasms just keep rolling, guys. That's seven in a row, sitting in first place still, and uh, about two hundred and fifty points. Of above the second place there in uh, in total points. So I'm just cruising right now. Nothing can bring me down until I get crushed by maybe Cameron this week, uh, who is sitting in the bottom of the league. And I am projected to win this week against the Arizona Blackhawks and Cameron. But like you said, Case, you never know what can happen in fantasy. Guys can underperform. Guys can overperform. I'm missing a couple players this week. Um, so that should be tough. Neil Pionk got suspended against the Maple Leafs. I was watching that game and that was a dirty, dirty play on Rasmus Sandin, and Sandin should be out two to three weeks. So Pionk got suspended for two games for that. So I am missing him in fantasy, but you know I don't really feel bad because what a dirty play. And uh, also Marner is injured as well. So we'll see what happens this week. But I again, I'm Plus. pretty confident. Plus, Chad, I'm going to lend Cameron, JT Miller, uh, and Spashanajo for the week. And okay. I'll, I'll get them back next week, but I think it's only fair. Um, it's like a little uh, baby shower gift, sure. and someone needs to take you down. Sure. Someone's got to. I mean, holy, seven weeks in a row, boys. I just Someone take me off my pedestal here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Case will help Cam out a bit, and... Uh help out me a little bit as well in our matchup so uh <laughs> there you go. it's uh, it's the best of both worlds let's do um, uh let's do bottom five before we wrap yep. up last week yep, we did ahead. top five this week we'll uh you know give some shame to the bottom five in the last place number 14 overall oh eight and oh just an abysmal record i don't think the guy sets his lineups at all that's the mail order brides that's Corey. 
In 13th place, the Arizona Blackhawks. That's my brother-in-law, Cameron, uh, 1-7-0. But he's making some progress. He's made a couple good moves here. And, you know, maybe next week he might be able to get a win. In 12th spot, we've got uh, our very own, uh, the 2021 Pepsi Cup scoring champ, uh, Mr. Harper Cody, at 2-6-0. And 11th spot, we've got the Hornytown OnlyFans. That's Brandon Irving. He is 2-6-0 as well, but with more total points than Harper. And in 10th spot, 5th last, we've got Barkov's Beauties at 4-4-0. A lot of teams tie 4-4-0, but uh, Barkov's Beauties has the fewest total points, and so he sits in 5th last in the league. That's the bottom five, guys, and uh, this has been so much fun. Yeah, it certainly has. Uh, all right, there you go. That's uh, your fantasy corner for the boys in the booth fantasy hockey league. And uh, now let's get into a couple of big news headlines involving two NHL organizations in particular, uh, both who are just really struggling so far this season, the Vancouver Canucks and the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's start with Vancouver, guys. So 8-15 and 2 out of the gate. It has been a really tough time in Van City. And uh, on Sunday, they decided to let go of head coach Travis Green and general manager Jim Benning. There were more uh, people that were let go, but those are the two big ones, obviously. Bruce Boudreaux steps in as the head coach, and uh, they will look for a general manager. That uh, will probably come in the offseason. And, uh, guys, before I get your thoughts on the changes in Vancouver, I got to give myself a pat on the back because uh, a couple of weeks ago, Chad, it was just you and I on the pod. Uh, Case was under the weather, and uh, I said for cap or no cap that uh, Vancouver would make this decision in season, and I know that you were against that and you thought it would come in the off season. So I uh, want to give myself a little pat on the back. Yeah, you deserve uh, it. Anyway, guys, uh, uh, thoughts on this? Yeah, practically this needed to happen weeks ago. And some people are still saying they're surprised that after whatever, 25 games, they're they're doing it already. But I think this was so needed. There's so many problems with this team right now. And you look at both the teams we're going to talk about tonight, Vancouver and Philly. They're both good on paper. Like both teams look nice on paper, but not performing. Philadelphia has a little, a couple more reasons on why they're not performing. Vancouver has none at all. There's just all their superstars are underperforming other than maybe JT Miller. And uh, basically it's caused a little bit of a rut with this team. Like I heard that there is a uh, player meeting called by JT Miller and some of the older guys because they're uh, getting sick of the attitude of some of the younger guys and, and the the lack of caring. And uh, I kind of want to branch from that point on why I think Boudreaux is going to be such a good fit here. Um, that guy's kind of been successful with every team that's been handed to him and in different ways. And I actually watched a video of him today saying the F-bomb about 20 times in two minutes talking to the Washington Capitals and it was all about character. He wasn't talking or harping on specific plays or anything. It was about character and holding your head high and outworking the opposition. And I think someone needs to come in and put these uh, superstars in check and, and get their attitudes under control so that this team can be successful again. 
Yeah, I mean, like, you look at this team, and you said it best, Case. Like, this team is full of weapons. Like, that top nine forward group is one of the best in the league, I think, on paper, right? We just haven't seen guys perform, like, especially their superstars, like Pedersen, Besser, etc. Like, I think Pedersen has three points in his last 10 games. This guy is, like, supposed to be a top five center in the NHL at this point. Like, it has been absolutely brutal for Pedersen this season, and... You've got to think like, you know, some of that comes from coaching and and assignments and ice time and systems and all of that, of course. But like you also have to think that a lot of that just comes from no confidence, like just having like playing shitty night in, night out, nothing changing, not having any confidence that anything will change because you feel like you're stuck with this guy as a coach. And like, you know, the, the whole Travis Green experiment just didn't work out. And and Harpy mentioned it, you know, you said like a couple weeks ago where, um, you know, the cap or no cap question, will these guys be fired midseason? And I was like, I said, no, I said cap to that because well, they haven't done it. They haven't fired a coach or a GM midseason, like ever, like in as long as I can remember. But now yeah. they have, which is crazy, and I'm happy that it happened. Um, and I think Boudreaux personally is a really good fit. You can argue that you know he hasn't had a ton of playoff success at the NHL level. I mean, he hasn't made it past the the second round of the playoffs. He's only done that one time. I believe it was with the Capitals as well. But at, at the same time, uh, the hockey guy on, on YouTube put it best. You know, if a ship is sinking and, you know, there's holes in the ship or whatever, you're not going to like no one's going to say, well, we can't have this solution because it's not going to get us to land. It's like, no, you need a solution to stop the boat. And then you worry about getting to land. You know, you worry about fixing the sinking now and then worry about getting to land later. So that's that's what he said. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was perfect. And like it might not be the perfect fix right now in terms of a guy who's going to take this team to the to the Stanley Cup or whatever. But like for Christ's sake, this team is so much better on paper than it is it, than they're performing this season. So they need something to stop the sinking. And I think Boudreaux is a perfect fit. Yeah, and let me say that when I say that Boudreaux has had success with every team he's been given, I meant regular season. Like that, yeah. he has an unbelievable regular season record. Sure, the playoffs never really worked, and it took Barry Trotz to get the Washington Capitals to actually win a cup. But um, yeah, I, I think this is the immediate fix type coach that you need. You're not you're not looking to hire a young guy with no experience that's going to slowly mold this team. You need someone who's going to come in and do the do the work right now and. Uh, you can kind of tell that that's the goal here because he's got a 15 month contract to, to kind of figure this stuff out. And I don't know if he's going to figure it out that quick, but something needs to be done in Vancouver. Yeah. And if it's about culture, um, like that's the guy you want, right? Like you want a guy who has been there and done that. But also, as we've seen, and he sort of has a reputation for this, while being stern and he can be strict when needed to be, I think for the most part, he's he's a guy that players love in the dressing room. So I think that's that's a good fit there. You need some some positive mojo, and I think Boudreaux can provide that. Also, too, like we haven't even talked about his systems and whatnot, but like that is was clearly the problem with this team. And same with Philadelphia, as we're going to talk about, like when a, when a coach 
or when a team looks so good on paper and they have the weapons to do so, there, there's got to be something that, that gives. And most of the time it comes down to systems or ice time or allocation. So I think Boudreau, and it, it could have been anyone, honestly, just to change those systems that Travis Green has in place will just, you know, Harp, as you love to say, it'll breathe new life into this team. And I'm just excited to see it, honestly. Yeah, this move was long overdue. And, and, uh, from what I've heard and and um, read, Travis Green is a very well-respected head coach around the league. Like he'll probably get another job, but this was just not working. This team is is so much better than than uh, than how they've performed. And uh, you know, Case, you brought up the point. Like Boudreaux has had success everywhere he's been. He's been in in Washington. Washington. He's been in Anaheim. He's been in Minnesota. Um, and now he comes to Vancouver. But not only the team's success, but success with dealing with star offensive players. You know, he had Alex Ovechkin in Washington. He had a guy like Ryan Getzlav in, uh, in Anaheim. And I think the main guy here, we, we've mentioned him, is, is Elias Pettersson. You know, can Boudreaux come in and get Pettersson to be um, – you know, the normal Elias Pettersson, the the star player that uh, we all think he, he should be. So um, anyway, I, I do like this move. It's not going to be uh, a quick fix right away. It's going to take some time, but uh, just uh, glad that uh, the Canucks stopped the bleeding here and, and finally make this decision. Yeah, to add to your uh, point, Harp, um, talking about Boudreaux with kind of superstar players and you brought up Alex Ovechkin think about two things that or one thing that Ovechkin and Pedersen have in common that's they love to sit on their off wing and absolutely rip clappers on the power play well I think Boudreaux is going to bring in a power play and a system that's going to allow Pedersen to do that again and maybe get a little bit of his mojo back and uh, we can see him being the player he he's supposed to be again so yeah I, I like that point a lot do yeah, guys, excellent. Do you guys think after making this change that the Canucks have a shot at the playoffs at all? Like they're what eight, fifteen, and two. Like, do they still have a realistic shot at the playoffs? It is an eighty-two game season. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. That yeah, that's the that's the question I heard asked on another podcast I was listening to today. Just getting ready for this one. Um, you know, they've got 65 games left or so. Is it possible? And and uh, I just, it, it's going to be tough. But I mean, you know, I, anything's possible, I guess, especially in that division that they're in, right? I mean, Boudreaux could really come in, get these guys firing on all cylinders, especially um, Pedersen and Besser, you know, two of your of your uh, core pieces in your top six and and uh, who knows, you know, he could really turn around this team and they could go on a nice run. I'm going to say no, they don't for this season, but hey, anything's possible, I guess. Case, uh, you want to jump in there? I'm going to say that there's a chance, um, mostly because the shakeup that's going on here and, and the superstar factor here, but also, like you said, the division is pretty weak. There's a couple teams that are overperforming in that division, and I think Vancouver's got the ability to take away some of those wins from them and then to add on that the central is also kind of uh, a strange place right now and very top heavy and that means that there's a couple wild card spots that could be flip-flop between divisions so there is a chance for vancouver and i think based off their their system their farm system um 
and everything they have going for them and, and the moves they made in the offseason a lot of people are saying why make this change now why bring in boudreau and then they start to win and still not make the playoffs and have a worse draft pick i think this team's in win now mode and i think they have to show something to their fans and at least make a push to try to make the playoffs and if they fall short then they fall short um it, it's something's got to be done so uh i think they have a chance i'm not giving them a very big chance though but yeah it's there I, I think they have a chance too. Like it's not even Christmas time yet. Like it's not even the Christmas break. They have a ton of games ahead of them. Like I know crawling back isn't the easiest thing to do in the NHL, but you guys have mentioned, you know, a weaker division and maybe this is just what they need to kind of turn it around. Um personally okay. though, the- what worries me, sorry case, what worries me is the deadline coming up like who is going to be the gm at the deadline who's going to handle like the immediate future of this team that's what worries me so yeah yeah i was just gonna say look at the nashville predators last year and and what they did kind of after christmas and and push for that playoff spot and it's a similar situation where it was like well, maybe maybe not so much because we expected Nashville to be bad, but there was players underperforming there, and then they still found a way to make the playoffs once they did that push. So that's yeah. kind of the the situation. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's kind of strange. Overdrive was talking about this today, and I fully agree. It's kind of strange to hire a coach before you hire a GM because usually uh, one comes from the other, and yeah. the other being the GM. So. Um, strange ordering in this and it's like now are you asking boudreaux who should be in there or like (laughs) i don't know how that works anymore because usually it's the gm's decision to to hire a coach so yeah yeah that was pretty strange and before we move on uh to our conversation about the flyers that's a really good point you bring up case about uh nashville and the run that they went on last year and you could single out UC Saros as the sole reason for why they went on that run. And I could totally see Thatcher Demko uh, being the main reason why Vancouver goes on a big run because, like, he, in my opinion, should take no blame for this season at all. I just, uh, like, I think he's been great, and the guys in front of him just haven't played well enough. And so if Boudreaux can come in, get the team playing better in front of him, then maybe Demko uh, is in a better position to get some wins, to have some success, and this team could go on a little run. So far this season, Thatcher Demko is the only reason this team is not in dead last. And JT Miller. I will add and 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 daddy as you yeah. know and, yeah. and your guy your uh, your your guy in fantasy case well I have both excellent. of them on fantasy I have <laughs> yes that is Mer- true and that's why I know Thatcher's played so well because I mean he got me 25 points last week and they <laughs> lost like three games yeah <laughs> like yeah. While he faces so many shots. And like there's a reason that his name keeps being thrown out there for the third or fourth best goalie from the United States to make that Olympic team. Like he's that good. He just has not been in a good situation, you know? Like yeah. he sees a ton of shots. And I was looking at some advanced stats the other day from Sport Logic. It was just on the broadcast. And uh like they were saying that the Canucks allow or have allowed an unprecedented number of slot shots this year. So you've got to think that has to do with coaching. You know, like it just like the amount mm-hmm. of shots that come from the house against this team that Thatcher Demko faces, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, the the headline today on my uh 
fantasy app was Thatcher Demko suffers loss after 40 save performance. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. yeah, that is tough. Well, look, I mean, uh, the Canucks uh, certainly have a good young core there, and uh, hopefully they will be playing better under Bruce Boudreaux. So uh, we'll move on from the Canucks now to the Philadelphia Flyers, and this is the big news that came out today. Uh, so the Flyers, of course, uh, they've lost eight in a row, 8-10-4 on the season, second last in the Metropolitan Division, and uh, they fired former Canucks head coach Alain Vigneault and assistant coach Michelle Therrien. Mike Yo will take over as the interim head coach. Of course, Yo and Chuck Fletcher, the general manager, uh, they go way back to their days in Minnesota together. And uh, so, guys, uh, just your thoughts on the Philadelphia Flyers. In case I'll go back to you, you kind of said it uh, about them. Similar to Vancouver, a really good team on paper, but underachieving. And uh, the message from the coach, I think, was just really lost. And so uh, this is a change that needed to happen. So uh, just your your thoughts on this move by the Flyers. Yeah, like, it, like you pointed out, I said it's another team that looks great on paper. And we were saying that at the beginning of the year with some of the moves they were making and, and the retool they did on the back end that everyone thought was going to be good. And um, it just hasn't been. And, and the problem with this team is a lot of guys aren't clicking and there's a lot of injuries as well. They have a couple more excuses uh, compared to Vancouver right now. Uh, a lot of guys out on the IR, but still you need these these guys that have been on this team forever to really stand uh, stick up and or step up and do do what needs to be done for this team the problem with this team is they have no identity at all i have no like yeah they don't play they're they're not the broad street bullies anymore they don't play an overly good defensive game they aren't putting the puck in the net at will they don't have terrific goaltending i mean carter hart has tried for them he's really tried he started out pretty good and uh now they're in quite a slump i think they've lost like eight in a row and i mean so has that whole division the metro is in a slump right now trust me i know <laughs> but philly's in in some sort of way and the problem that i have with philly is i don't know what direction to take this team in because they're aging their core is aging they're getting up there uh, but they just did this big retool so it's like I guess they still have to push while Giroux is is still of age to do this and JVR and you got Kevin Hayes locked up forever and Couturier. It's like that core is still there and they're still capable of winning, but I just don't know what direction to take this team in. And now they've cycled through another coach. It seems like they've done this a lot lately. Coaches and GMs and goalies. You can't, you won't get a, a career in Philadelphia. It's... Giroux's in, in a contract year as well. Just something to, to point out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, I mean, that was that was a long explanation there, but those are all the problems I have with this team, and it's yeah. a lengthy list. Yeah, Chat. Case, case, there's a lot there, and, you know, I want to touch on a few things. The, one of the things that you mentioned was that this team doesn't really have an identity, and I think that's never been more true than it is this season. Like, with guys like Couturier and and Giroux, like guys who are typically very good defensively, like 
maybe that could be your identity. Uh, well, it's not this season. And then you've got other guys, you know, like, um, well, first of all, those guys can put the puck in the net. But then you've got other talented forwards like Oscar Lindblom, etc., who can put the puck in the net. And so maybe you're a, you know, a team who can score. Well, that's not really the case either. And then you've got guys like Travis Konechny who can can run you through the boards and can play a dirty game and so you think okay maybe their identity is is that the the tough like annoying pesky broad street bullies but then you look at their defense and it's kind of the opposite like they don't really have a lot of guys like they got Ristolainen he hits a lot he's big but they don't really have any scary players who are actually effective other than maybe Konechny so yeah you're totally right there's a ton of of uh like factors here that that just point to they don't really have an identity and that is like a major red flag for for an nhl team you need an identity the second thing for me when it came to coaching you know you look at this team and and we've said it a million times like on paper they look really good so it must be something to do with the systems or something to do with the allocation of ice time and well maybe it's a combination of both but like you look at this team in Elaine Vigneault played this system where they just dump and chase the puck and they're a team that doesn't possess the puck a lot but when you have talented players like Konechny who although plays with a bit of toughness and grit is very talented as well and and like Giroux who is very good defensively and offensively and same with Couturier like when you've got those players you need to play more of a possession style at least that's what I think and that's sort of what the numbers are saying like they don't have you know elite four checkers who can sustain in this in this dump and chase system so maybe it is that you know it's certainly a combination of a lot of things but like I think coaching had to go like that was the the one thing that you know they were like okay who's going to take this fall well it can't really be your players because you're kind of missing some of your your bigger guys like you're missing Ryan Ellis on the back end which like that's not nothing he's a good player you acquired him and I think he's played like four games for the Flyers or something and and also Kevin Hayes and and other guys as well so like you can't really blame the players because they're doing all they can in different roles or whatever but at a certain point you got to just you know name a scapegoat and in this case it was Elaine Vigneault and I think it kind of does make sense given the system that they play and final point I know that you guys mentioned like goaltending and stuff Honestly, Martin Jones this year has been like much better than I personally thought he would be. And also Carter Hart has had a nice bounce back season. I mean, a few weeks ago when I was looking at the goal saved above expected, he was right there at the top, you know, top five. And I know he's had a couple barn burners since then and his numbers have kind of dipped. But, you know, the team's in a slump, so I don't think you can blame it on him. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So overall, like I think it was a good move to fire the coach and we'll just see like what happens next and what direction this team goes in. I think there's still a lot of question marks, but I think overall it was a good move and I agree with it. If I'm if I'm the new coach coming into Philadelphia, something that I'm going to have in mind is just copy and pasting the Minnesota Wild because when I look at this offense core, that's kind of what they remind me of. They've, they've got some, some size and some bulk and a little bit of tenacity that's just – uh, not being used right now and and you do have a couple guys that can put the puck in the net maybe they're missing a a real Kaprizov who's absolutely leading that team uh to the top of the standings but 
the build kind of reminds me of that and i think that if i were a coach i'd be uh watching a lot of minnesota games and trying to implement that that team is just so good on the forecheck and then they when are. you do break out they're so quick to transition transition into defense and transition into offense it's like they hit you before you know it and i i watched them twice this week and it's like man that's a great system and that's a great team right now sure there's a lot of guys overperforming, like a ryan hartman and a or um, Marcus Foligno, but yeah. Philadelphia yeah. needs needs to play that style of game and then have one or two guys step up like like it's happened in Minnesota. And then I think that there is a little success to be had there, especially in the Metro that's supposed to be the best, but is a little struggling right now. That That's funny. It's funny you mention that case because obviously Boudreaux, um, one of the former coaches of, of the Minnesota Wild. And uh, if Vancouver, Elliot Friedman actually said this on his podcast, if Vancouver didn't make their moves before Philly, then there was a good chance that Boudreaux was going to the Flyers. So that would have been interesting to see. And uh, yeah, I, I really like that comparison. Like Minnesota, for the first time in a long time, is an exciting team to watch. And we haven't been able to say that about the Flyers the past couple of years. Guys, what I wanted to say about this before we wrap up, uh, Frank Saravalli on, on uh, the DFO Rundown podcast saying that and he's a Philadelphia guy, by the way. He's from there and has covered the Flyers uh, closely for a long time. He said that, you know, talking to people in that organization, that it sounded like Vigneault just isn't a great communicator with his players. And so um, I think, like, if you're Travis Konechny, scratched a handful of times under Vigneault, just as an example, there's got to be some hard feelings there. And then... The other thing I'll say about this move is that we could have seen this happen at the end of last season. Mm -hmm. You know, we we heard that things were just off between the coaching staff and the players. And so Philly went out and they made some changes to their roster, like we talked about, bringing in guys like Atkinson and Ristolainen. Jones and Ellis right and and so it just it hasn't worked the message has been lost and um, it, it, it was time to make this decision so Mike Yo takes over on an interim basis but a name that I've read to watch out for for the full-time coaching position of this team is uh, Rick Tockett who is who is still out there he's got a, a, a history with the Flyers of course so watch out for that name but uh, yeah, yeah this team just needs to they need to find their identity again one guy who i i always see dropping the mitts though uh on on the flyers and uh he was picked up off waivers from vancouver before the start of the season is zach McEwen. so he's certainly showing uh that philadelphia flyers identity but uh they need the whole team to buy into that so we'll wait and see yeah that's exactly it this team has always had an identity and always it, it has such history and rick Tockett would be perfect for that because he was just inducted into the flyers hall of fame and you know he played whatever 800 games with them and uh that's just his style of hockey as well it's like there's so many reasons why he should be in there not to mention the fact that he has a little bit of head coaching um history uh in arizona um and then he was also an assistant coach in pittsburgh and won a couple cups there with a a similar team that that kind of needed a jolt and uh i mean i i 
can't think of a better guy to come in and try to fix this team. And you say that they need a maybe a player's coach. Well, the best player's coach is a player coach. And yep. that would be Rick Tockett. Yep. Totally. Chad, any any final thoughts on uh, the Flyers? Uh, just a general final thought, actually, on Bruce Boudreaux. I know that this is a guy, and I know I'm going back here to Boudreaux and the Canucks, but I know this is a guy who's been wanting to get back into coaching for a long time, so I think it's great that he got a position, and like you said, he could have went to either team that we've seen these two firings, so I think it's a good fit in Vancouver, and I'm glad that he's getting back into coaching because it wasn't that long ago that you know here in, in Toronto we were hearing rumblings that he wanted to be a part of the Maple Leafs coaching group. So I think I it's knew great. you were gonna I knew you were gonna bring that up. Yeah, I, I think it's great though, <laughs> and, and that's that's my final point. I like both moves. Honestly, they had to be done. Like yeah. I think both could have been done sooner. Honestly. Yes, absolutely. And that's what everyone was saying, right? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, Vancouver's made their moves. It's only a matter of time before Philly does the same thing. And then a day later, here we are. So, uh, and guys, I should also mention before we wrap up, uh, roster sharing in NHL 22 is available on Thursday. How pumped are you guys? I am pumped. Uh, It's now... 20% 20% closer to being a playable game for me. <laughs> it is honestly, it's so bad. Like, I don't think we'll ever become what I, like whatever they call like content creators for EA because like we trash this game so much, but it is bad, man. Like borderline unplayable. It's the worst it's ever been. Yeah, like, seriously. When In terms of like glitches and just lazy like coding, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's just terrible, the amount of problems with that game. And, like, the SEM engine is still just god-awful. Like, oh. Corey Perry putting up 36 goals and McDavid tied with Nick Letty in points in my first run-through. Like, that's just so fucking ridiculous. And then, yeah. like, EASHL, all the glitches that happen in that. And, like, terrible. it's just terrible. Or how slow the game is. Like, the menu system. To, to change your lines, it takes, like, five minutes and it's then you look, go it. back to like MLB 15 and it's like lightning fast and I'm changing the pitching rotations in like 12 seconds and I'm back in a game before I even know it. It's embarrassing how far behind that game is compared to MLB and then compared to f- games in their own system like FIFA, yeah, which is also glitch fest, but at least it's further ahead than the NHL. So again, anyways, thanks for that case. There goes our promotional partnership with EA out the window, (laughs) as I was saying earlier. But we should make a whole episode on this because we've had so many glitches. Casey and I playing EASHL with Adam that we just have to talk about. So maybe we do that in in the coming weeks or so. Yep, for sure. Anyway, uh, the game has a laundry list of issues, but I, I am looking forward to seeing the roster sharing feature uh, come out on Thursday. So sorry I brought it up, Case. <laughs> Touchy oh, subject. roster sharing that's been available in MLB since MLB 13. Like, yeah, ex- exactly. Holy. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, there goes a potential partnership, like you said, Chad. Um, okay. Uh, by the way, want to thank Alan at Mansky again for coming on the pod last week to talk about uh, the changes in Montreal. Jeff Gordon making his first move in charge of the Canadians. By the way, guys, uh, just a waiver claim. Uh, Kale Clegg from the LA Kings uh, comes to Montreal, a young puck-moving defenseman. So wanted to get that in there as well. Thanks so much for listening to episode 108, and uh, we will chat with you again next week. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth. 